Welcome back to episode two. This is the second episode. Same stream as the first one, but second episode of City Wave Cinema. We're doing two episodes. I have no idea when these are going out, by the way. They will be uploaded at some point, and I'll tell you where you can find them at some point. It will happen. If you need to follow the City Waves gaming Instagram account, that will tell you when and where you can find these episodes to listen to on your own time if you didn't make the stream or if you feel like listening to some just ridiculous commentary on films and television that we watch. So, we are still on the first Harry Potter movie, The Philosopher's Stone. That's uh, James. I'm by the James. Way. That's America. Hi. We have spent the whole first episode just straight dunking on every character in the show or in the movie as a fucking asshole. Uh, I have a list of notes that we're reading off of to sort of track what the movie's plot. Uh, we've gone through probably two-thirds of the movie so far. This is going to be a shorter episode, I imagine, just because I'm running out of notes. But there will be some good shit in here nonetheless, because this is where the plot gets kind of juicy. James hasn't really seen any of the Harry Potters, if you didn't see the first episode or listen to it, which if you haven't, why are you... Shame on you. Why are you being one of those people? Um, but if you're just joining us in the stream, or if you, for some reason you are listening to the second episode before the first one, first of all, go back and listen to the first episode. Hey, you goon. But second of all, uh, James doesn't really have all that much knowledge about Harry Potter. Um, yeah, other, dude, they're all fucking assholes. Other than what I have told him and what he, his brief knowledge is, I love Harry Potter. I have a tattoo of Harry Potter. I was just showing stream all my Harry Potter, some of, not all, some of my Harry Potter merch. Um, which, if you do want to watch us live, I will be showing off different merch every single time. I'm also wearing Harry Potter glasses and a Slytherin shirt and holding my wand the entire time we've talked. So. It's true. We're part picking, two! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're picking up, uh, after, uh, it's Christmas at Hogwarts, year one of Harry Potter's education there. Um, and Harry finds the mirror of desire. Erised. Whatever, it's desire backwards. Um... And in the mirror, when he looks into it, he sees his parents. Uh, he takes Ron, he he wakes up Ron in a brilliant moment of karma. Uh, he wakes up Ron and sneaks Ron into the spot where the mirror is, uh, using his cloak of invisibility, which he got as a Christmas gift from someone he doesn't know. I don't uh, think you touched on that, did you? On the no, cloak of invisibility. No, we did not touch on the cloak, but he gets a cloak of invisibility, which is. The only context in the movie that is given about the cloak of invisibility is that uh, he has one. And, and it's super it used rare. To be, it used to be his dad's. Nope, they don't say it's super rare. Yep, Ron does. He oh, said, Ron says it's super rare. Ron says, they're really rare. So rare, there's only one of them. Ron. Which is a thing that she knows that the movie doesn't know. So, Harry wakes Ron up and they go off to find the, the mirror and they... when Ron looks in it, he sees uh, himself as a Quidditch team captain. Uh, which that'll never happen, but you know, dreams are good, I guess. What would you see in the mirror? If I looked in the mirror of desire, yeah, uh, I'd probably uh, I'd probably see myself in an esports team jersey with my name on it. Right. I'm not good enough to play, but I'm good enough to coach. I uh, I'd probably see myself as like a famous youtuber tiktoker streamer it's funny that we would look in there and see like jobs and not like us holding millions of dollars of cash or us holding children that we want a family someday or like that holding the keys to a new house like we want to work hashtag america we just want to we just want to have good job america (laughs) i work work in a warehouse right now i just want to have good job i'm an rbt for those of you don't know that means i am a behavioral therapist for children with autism so run while i fix the water real quick run quickly through what basically they break into the library and do a bunch of shit while hermione's on fucking christmas break that happens before the mirror whatever he doesn't take hermione to see the mirror hermione's not fucking there they break into the because what james left out is they have now figured out that there is a philosopher's stone and they know who made the stone um, and his name is Nicholas Flamel, which, crossover nerddom, because it was called the Sorcerer's Stone in America, I don't want to tell you how long it took me 
as an avid Full Metal Alchemist fan, to put two and two together that the Philosopher's Stone in Full Metal Alchemist is the same stone in Harry Potter. Too long. Too long. Sometimes my brain works really, really snappity snap. Other times, things take a while to get there. Like, uh... Talking about weeb shit? Another thing uh, that happened like that was the line, every kiss begins with K from the store, like, kiss. You didn't understand that commercial? For a very, 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 very embarrassing long, long time. Yeah. My God. Um. So, yeah, that's the thing. But they figure out that Nicholas Flamel has, is the creator of the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, they kind of yada yada their way through some of this. And they're trying to find more information about it in the restricted section of the library. And that's when Harry stumbles upon the mirror. That's where Harry finds the mirror. He takes Ron in there. Ron's head boy shaking hands with Dumbledore. Quidditch captain. They've won the house cup. And then they go, uh... Ron just wants to feel important. Ron does want to feel important. Then they fucking, they get Hermione back and she's like, I'm an idiot. And I was like, yeah, but not for the reason you think. Uh, thanks for the follow clotship. And you? we uh, we see that they go, um, where do they go? They go and break into Filch's place. Oh, I no. breezed by the first time they break into the third floor on you accident. You did. You did not touch uh, on that at that, all. It was not memorable for you, apparently. No, it didn't matter. I didn't write any notes about it. Important piece of the movie that I just didn't write anything down about. Um, the, the next fucking note I have is that uh, after they get detention... So they've gone and they, they take all their problems to Hagrid because Hagrid's trustworthy, apparently, even though Hagrid's, like, king of telling secrets to everyone. I mean, I, he is, like, nice to them and, like, a kind of, like, fatherly figure. Like, sure. he's just, like... Sure, No, I, I get why they would go and tell and all their the, secrets to Hagrid, like, obviously. as far as they know, like, he's really the only one who knows about the Philosopher's Stone that also knows that they know about the Philosopher's Stone and he's been giving them all their information anyway so it makes sense for them to just mostly unintentionally burst up to his house and be like yo we know this and him to be all like fucking get inside then so it's after dark and they roll up to Hagrid uh, children aren't supposed to be out of bed at night time that's an established rule you can't be out of bed it's after dark times so Hagrid takes him inside and Hagrid's got a dragon egg in the pot over the fire keeping it warm helping it hatch and, and so he talking to him there's fireworks going on outside and if you set your fireworks off before the fourth of july you're a fucking asshole don't just like all the characters in harry potter just stop also in case you are listening to this in the future it's july 3rd it's july 3rd july 4th is tomorrow don't be that person that literally sets off fireworks for the entire week you're fucking dildo tester so it's a good joke it was so, alright it's like a solid 7 out of 10 it's like a 4 it's like a solid 7 4 calling someone a dildo tester is a solid 7 yes this but the never, context knocked this, it down I'm gonna have to mark all these episodes of the podcast as explicitly explicit like but if you're if you're not, if you're new to this channel nothing different that's not unusual nothing different at all not even a little bit so one of the things, I have seen the movie before, but I didn't pay much attention to it at all, because I don't give a shit. Uh, if Harry Potter's on in my household, like when he's come over for like family barbecues and stuff... That's time to be on my phone. He is watching League. Yes. So, Malfoy is a little shithead, and he follows the, the Golden Trio somehow. I have... In the movie, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, in the book, it's kind of explained about, like, why he's following them or how he figures it out. But in the movie, if we're just going just based off the movie, how the fuck did he know to follow them? Like, what was he just staking out in the corridor of, like, the right outside the Gryffindor common room, like, waiting for fucking Harry to come out? Like, it's not established that Harry and them sneak out all the time. They really have only snuck out, like, twice, and most of it was over Christmas break when they were the only ones there. So, like, it's not just, like, this, like, common thing that they do. So, like, what the fuck is he doing? Just, like, waiting? Is he going to stand there all night? Like, I... The, the only, the only like, consensus that you can really come to is that Draco either 
followed them to try to get them in trouble. But how he his his common room is in the dungeons. Right, but there's no his common room's in the dungeons. The Slytherin common room is in the dungeons, under the lake. So how in the hell did he know that they were leaving their common room to even follow them in the first place? Who knows? Stakeout, maybe? In the book, it's a little bit more explained because it kind of happens differently, the whole Norbert scenario detention thing. Because Harry and Malfoy are supposed to have a duel and, like, all this stuff. It, But, yeah. In the movie, if we're just going just off the movie, it is very unclear how Malfoy She's just... Harry GPS tagged. How Malfoy just like knows where to fucking be. So, they're hanging out in Hagrid's, like, cottage. Which is on the edge of the... Hagrid hatches a dragon. Names him Norbert. Which he is allegedly not supposed to have. Nope, you're not supposed to have so dragons in captivity. there's like a dozen rules being broken all at once right now. And, and laws. You're not allowed to have dragons in right. captivity. And so Malfoy sticks his greasy fucking face to the window and Haggard goes, who's that? And Harry looks and goes, ah, fucking Malfoy. And Ron and Hermione are like, What's the problem? And Harry's like, you're both fucking dumb. No, it's Hagrid that's like, is that a problem? Or no, you're right. When they're no, walking no, it's up. Ha- like Hermione and Ron are like, it's just Draco. And Harry's like, yeah, yeah, it's fucking Draco. This is obviously a problem. So Draco runs off to McGonagall, and McGonagall's like, you are all fucking goons, all of you, all of you are fucking goons. And she's like, you three, detention, minus a bunch of points for Gryffindor, because you're fucking goons. And Malfoy's all off in the corner going all smug. And then she's like, and you, fuck ass, detention for you. And he's like, what? Me? All four of us, detention? And she's like, as good as your intentions were, Mr. Malfoy, you two were out of bed. Like, you're still breaking. And that's, like, the best thing about McGonagall is she does, like... You're gonna be a dumbass. She's gonna treat you like a dumbass. You do stupid shit. You receive the punishment for stupid shit. Doesn't matter what if you were doing stupid shit for good or not. Like if McGonagall was headmistress, none of them would have gotten points at the end. No, oh, no. She would have been like, "You fuck asses broke every fucking rule." Like, yeah, you fucking defeated Voldemort. Haha, <laughs> good for you. You do you know how many fucking rules you broke to do that? It all zeroes out. It all zeroed out. You're fine. Ravenclaw wins. You didn't, we didn't. Ravenclaw wins because they didn't cause any fucking trouble. We won't deduct any points for you breaking the rules, but we're not going to give you extra points for saving the world. We're just going to call it square. The end. My gripe with this whole scene is it is already a very vocally established fact that you're not allowed to be out at night and the dark forest is strictly off limits to students. Immediately following... McGonagall telling them they have detention. They are escorted to detention. I think it's a different night. Maybe the next night? Yeah. But they are then at night with no break to show that it's another day. So you can assume it's the same night? They changed their clothes. Whatever. Whether it's the same night or the next night. It's not the same night. It doesn't fucking show it. It's not the same night. They don't fucking show it. They changed their clothes. You should assume it's a different day. I assume if they're going out into the dark forest, they're going to change their clothes anyways because the dark forest is full of horrors and terrors. But they didn't know they were going to the dark forest until they got there. No, but everyone else did, so they could have told them, hey, you got to change, you're going to detention. They changed from one school uniform to another school uniform. They changed from casual clothes into their school uniforms. I don't want to do the show anymore. <laughs> I don't want to fucking talk to you anymore. You're a fucking asshole. You, you and Hermione Granger and Severus Snape and McGonagall and Dumbledore and all those fucking motherfucking characters, you're all fucking assholes. Someone should... Oh, you're a fucking asshole. Someone you're being just, a fucking asshole right now. Someone should just keep a running tally of my um actuallys for the rest of this podcast. You're going to fucking... You're going to keep correcting me on shit that doesn't fucking matter and you're being a fucking asshole about it. It does! It doesn't matter if they go out that night or the next night to detention. They still go into a place intentionally that is for the 
you're not you're not supposed to have students in there. It's against the rules to put students in the dark forest. And then they're like, oh, fuck it. You got to go to the dark forest, man. That's detention. It's, That's the whole detention system. You don't have to sit in a class after hours. You've, you're going to the fucking forest, bro. That where, we, where you're not supposed to be, you got to go in there now. That's like saying, hey, man, you know the strip club over there? Detention. You got you to gotta go in there. They're fucking scary. It's loud. It's dark. There's weird people in there. I don't better analogy. Hey, you see that prison over there? There you go. That's a little better. You got to go to the prison. To the yard in the prison. That's detention. There's some fucking scary things in there. That's where you're going. Then we're going to send the big scary hairy guy with you. They call it the scared straight Hogwarts program. <laughs> it's just detention it's so established that the students are not supposed to be in the dark forbidden forest because it's dangerous right so that's where they have to go for detention in conjunction with that not only do they go in there they're supposed to be with Hagrid and then about Quarter of the way through, Hagrid's just like, all right, you two with me, the other two. 35 seconds in, By Hagrid's yourself. like, all right, so we're splitting up to search for the unicorn that's bleeding chrome into the forest. And two of you are going by yourselves. No, After no adult supervision. After he kneels by a small puddle, dips his fingers in it, and they come up dripping in chrome, and he goes, ugh, unicorn blood. And they go, it's what now? We're doing what now? And he just goes off. And Malfoy's all like, well, I'm taking the dog. And Hagrid goes, all right, he's a fucking coward. Go for it. And they're like, so Draco and Harry and a big dog that's he a coward. He does Scooby-Doo the party. He straight Scooby-Doo's the party. Draco, Harry, and a big scared dog go off in search of this unicorn with no prior tracking experience and no experience in practical spellcasting or violent spellcasting. They're just out there yeeting, right? Daphne and Velma with me, Shaggy, you and Scoob out. Exactly. Exactly like that. And so Hagrid and Ron and Hermione, arguably the much stronger party, also disappears yeah, off at the At least send Hermione off with, like, the solo Hon- party. Honestly. <laughs> so, Draco and Malfoy and the dog come across the unicorn getting feasted on by a strange hooded figure. Who's just like in its neck going. Everyone who was listening with headphones ASMR just things. now died a little. Oh, I'm sorry. I hate that. Yeah, well, suck it up. I buttercup. hate mouse. You don't, you don't have to edit that. You don't have to edit it. I, I have to edit it. I hate mouse sound ASMR. Exactly. So, I hate it. Scooby Doo meets Dracula. That's exactly right. So, fucking. They come across that, and then it looks up, and there's, like, chrome drooping from its face, and its hood's covering everything but, like, the bottom of its nose and its mouth, and it goes, yeah. And then Draco goes, ah! And he shits his pants, and he runs away. He does, like, instantly. full coward, because he's a small coward. It is, not even, he is just a coward. Like, established throughout the the series, Draco Malfoy is a fucking coward. Bonafide coward. The dog goes with Malfoy. Harry is, like, scared but doesn't know how to run away because he's in Gryffindor, and they don't know how to do that. And so he's just like... And then he falls over, and it, like, starts creeping up on him, and he's like... And it looks like a dude, like, crawling on the ground, and then it starts flying, and it doesn't have legs, and you're like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with this right now. And then a centaur jumps over... I'm sorry... Hmm? A what? A centaur. It's a centaur. A centaur. Why are you making it French? It's not even from the French language. French? Centaur? That is a French pronunciation of a word. It's Leviosois. I'm gonna... It's a centaur. A half-man horse. (laughs) Leaps into the fray and, like, kicks its front hooves at the spectral hooded figure. No, it's massive. It's not like a small it's, it's man a horse. Big it's, centaur. Like a, it's a very big centaur. It's, it's like a small big. truck. And the ghoul goes <clears throat> and like flies off into the distance. If you're hearing any rattling, our dog is scared of the fireworks that are going off outside. Currently hiding under the desk. And has crawled under the desk. Again, I would like to return to the 
please stop setting your fucking fireworks off. It's not even July 4th yet, you fucking assholes. Yes. Carry on. We're back to Harry Potter. So, the centaur saves him and then just becomes an exposition bot to Harry Potter for the next, like, 45 seconds. And it's like, that was Voldemort. And you're like, huh? Floating headman was Voldemort? The evilest of dark wizards of all time? Wow! It's not relevant, but he also explains what unicorn blood is, which is relevant to the plot, not so much to this podcast. Right. So. Once again, why did we send students into the dark forest? It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. You know, I will hear no arguments. It's dumb. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, all right. I'll hear that. <laughs> but I will say, once it's established that, like, Harry's life is generally at risk at all times, they don't do stupid shit like that anymore. Like, I think the next time him and Ron have detention, which they do have a te- detention again, one of them, like, has to polish the trophies in the trophy room. <laughs> like, they go from, like, swinging hard and going, oops, my bad, here, here's some cleaning supplies, go fucking clean something. Like, they do correct their errors eventually. But yes, the the first time, some question, I, the Hogwarts staff in general, for most of these movies, just makes questionable decisions about the safety of children that would not go for any fucking licensing program of running a school. Nope. So the next thing I have is that Hermione is a fucking asshole. Um, and I don't remember what she does. Uh, but she's probably just throws some attitude out for no reason. Is it the, I'm going to go to bed before either of you gets another chance to have us Pro- Probably. But that would have happened already, because they would have already gone to the third floor corridor. So, what happened that Hermione was an I don't asshole? Remember. I wrote it down every time that she annoyed me. I just lost track. There's, there's was, a lot of times that she annoyed so me. You were so mad at her all the She's time. She's such an asshole. The next thing I wrote down is that Filch is the only good teacher. Hermione's an asshole and Filch is the only good teacher. This is like a quiz for my Harry Potter brain. And I think, movie I think that's because... Why did I write Filch is the only good teacher? Oh... I wrote Filch is the only good teacher because Filch is the one who escorts them out to Hagrid before they go into the Dark Forest. And Filch just takes zero shit from anybody the whole time. Like, Draco's out there and he's like, where he just like, is like whining or some shit before they go into the forest. And Filch just looks at him and is like, well, you probably fucking die, I guess. See ya. And he just dips, like, what a fucking boss. <laughs> like, just purely does not give a single fuck. It's tremendous. Um, then, uh, no one pays attention to the students when they need shit. Like, Harry, Ron, and Hermione run to McGonagall a In little a while In a classic later. trope of adults don't listen to kids. They go straight to McGonagall with information they should not know about something that could be potentially world-ending that they should not know. And they tell McGonagall, a very powerful figure at the school, that someone's going to try to steal the Philosopher's Stone. And she goes, how do you know about the Philosopher's Stone? Go away. Well, she's like, how do you know? It's very safely guarded. Dumbledore's not here. He got an urgent letter from the Ministry. Go away. Like... Yeah. Basically just... Oh, I think I know what she said. What? Hermione's an asshole. It was probably when it was like, um, she was like, as long as Dumbledore's here, you can't be touched. As long as Dumbledore's here, you're safe. <laughs> and like went on this long, on this, off on this big long tangent as Harry's Pro- like, I'm probably gonna die. Yeah, Harry's <laughs> coming to grips with the fact that his life is just always going to be in like peril. And Hermione's like, you'll be fine as long as Dumbledore's here. Like... No comfort, no friendship, just being a fucking ass. Also, can we talk about how Hagrid was just telling people in a pub about how to, like, lull his creatures to sleep and... Hagrid's 
one of the most powerful wizards of all time. I'm it convinced. is theorized. It is it, theorized. I'm, well, I'm convinced of the theory. Hagrid is an incredibly powerful magic user and also just a fucking master of animal handling. Terrible about sharing anything with anyone. Just tells all the secrets to everyone all the time. Like a maniac. Um, so McGonagall just straight dismisses them out of hand. Uh, like an asshole. Uh, I did not write that McGonagall is an asshole, but I should have. Uh, and then I wrote, again, Hermione is a fucking asshole. This was probably about the devil's snare or something. No, because the devil's snare is that Hermione won't stop being a fucking asshole. Was it when she petrified Neville? Yes! So they go to sneak out of the Gryffindor common room again because they're like, no one's fucking listening to us. We gotta do something about the Philosopher's Stone because no one believes us. So they're like, we gotta sneak out. And Neville, bless his heart, poor Neville Longbottom, who's had just an awful time and is in a cast because he broke his fucking wrist on day one, is all like... I can't let you hurt Gryffindor anymore. We need the points. I'll fight you if I have to. Raises his little fists in his teddy like, bear pajamas. Like, like. like He squares up with three fucking people. Like, I'll fucking fight you because you're trying to sneak out and you're going to fuck this shit up for all of us. Like a good fucking student. This kid is on it right now. And he's also like, imagine the bravery. Because it's like, first These of all, you know friends, Harry is famous, famous as people. shit. And... Then Hermione's like the best student in their year, and you're just like, I'm gonna do it in my little teddy bear pajamas. I'm gonna take you down with my fists. I don't even have my wand out, but I've got my little fists. And then Hermione's like, sorry, and straight petrifies. Petrificus totalis. And he goes, shock rock still, turns basically into a rock, and falls over and hits his head on the ground, and... They just, like, walk past him, and they go, sorry, sorry. They just leave. Now, imagine how bad Neville feels later when he finds out that they were going to, like, save the world, because... He's justified. He's fully justified. He's justified, but can you imagine him going, what if I had stopped them? Not that he had a chance, but, like... (laughs) I mean, it ties in at the end when they give him bonus points. At the end, when Dumbledore does, he's his ten points. Yeah, that pushes them right over the edge. His his ten little points in his so, little teddy bear pajamas. So Hermione's a fucking asshole because she just straight does that to him. Uh, I, I I would have spent all the money in the world to watch a scene of Child Neville Longbottom kicking the fuck out of Ron, Harry, and Hermione, and just ninja fucking laying those guys out. Like, no, you're not fucking leaving. And then just go into town. That would have been the greatest fucking thing. I also, in the very beginning of the movie, when Harry, like, has to go to platform nine and three quarters, I was like, all the money in the world if he just bounces off the wall and does not get through the platform. Very funny. Hold on, that thought. Uh, what? Carry on. All right, don't know anything. So next note is Hermione won't stop being a fucking asshole. Uh, they... Golden Trio gets in, gets past Fluffy, barely, falls down into this big, plushy root system-looking thing, and they're like, the fuck's going on? And then vines and tendrils start, like, wrapping around their bodies and, like, trapping them, and they very understandably start freaking the fuck out. Well, two of them do. Hermione's like, I read about this in school. Just relax. It's Devil's or Snare. It's only... if, you, if you don't relax, it will only kill you faster, is the line she says. Yep. If you don't relax, it will only kill you faster. Now, if you hear that line while you're being wrapped up in vines that are starting to constrict your movement and your breathing, what do you think? I mean... Well, if, if I thrash, it'll kill me fast. If I don't thrash and I relax, I'll die slow. N- the secret to the plant is, if you relax and don't struggle, you just fall through the roots to a little spot below the roots. No longer trapped or entangled. You're fully free, right? This is not communicated. Well, she didn't know that that's what happened. Like, if you Ow. got caught in normal devil snare, it would, like, there's not, like, a secret room underneath the plant. This was just, like, to protect the stone. It was one of the challenges to face. So, like... 
when she's up there and she's like says that line like that's is her knowledge like if you don't hold still it'll only kill you faster what she doesn't know and then does have the opportunity to communicate like a second later is like oh hey you know if you hold still and do what i say you'll just fall straight through to this room down here instead she says just instead she just yells up do as i say she just keeps like the first thing she says is like you have to hold still or it'll kill you faster not helpful then she disappears then she holds still because she knows she's highly intelligent she holds still it just drops her through the plant and she's now in a room completely unencumbered and free to call instructions to her friends and instead of calling instructions to her friends, she just repeats herself and goes, you have to do what I said. Just relax. Just relax. And does not explain a goddamn thing. And so Harry goes, fuck it, I guess I'll die. And he just holds still and he falls through. And Ron is like, she's an asshole and just keeps freaking out. Well, two of his friends have disappeared. He heard it's going to kill you faster. Ron's the only person who responds completely normally in this entire situation. I mean, I, he freaks out. To be to his credit, if Hermione said that, and then she disappeared, and then Harry also disappeared. I would probably be freaking out. Too. Yeah, of course, I'm saying he's he's well within his rights to just freak the fuck out, and, and, and Hermione s- won't stop being a fucking asshole. And she's like yelling at them because Ron wouldn't. And then she has to pull out another spell to save Ron, and she's not like happy he's alive. She's like annoyed at him. That she had to do more magic. Well, that's because he gets up. To be fair, I'm going to justify Hermione's reaction now. To be fair, Ron gets up and he goes, Huh. Wow, look at that. Good thing we didn't panic like an asshole instead of being all like... Yes, but he says it in a joking tone. And Hermione doesn't say anything. It's Harry that goes, Good thing Hermione pays attention in Herbology. Right, so Harry can't take a joke. Hermione understands the joke and doesn't react. Because it's a dick joke and Ron's an asshole Hermione won't stop being a fucking asshole Ron's an asshole they're all fucking assholes all of them and they fall in love later yeah that's great fucking little assholes together I love them so much so they carry on Ron plays the greatest chess game of all time fully sacrifices himself and his well-being to make sure that Harry can continue on uh, you had nothing to say about the keys? Not really. I mean, that's a good scene cinematically and thematically. Like, it's fine. I didn't really have anything wrong with it. Yeah, fair enough. Carry on. Uh, chess. The chess was good. Uh, very. They, like, rushed it because they're, it's. Even though the chess pieces are giant and they're smashing each other to bits it's still really hard to make an entire chess game fit into a two and a half hour movie. So you just uh, get like this montage of Yeah, you just get a montage chess of pieces. chess pieces that look funny slamming each other. Um, and then we move into the last room of the like trial area where the Philosopher's Stone's hiding. Um, and some bullshit happens that they explain with magic. Uh, Quirrell's in there looking at the mirror of Zidra or whatever. Era said. Whatever. Uh, and he's talking with Harry and Quirrell just does the classic villain shit and explains everything fully to Harry and then reveals villain monologue, that man. underneath his turban on the back side of his head is Voldemort growing out the back of his head and uh, before he reveals this he has Harry look in the mirror, and Harry Potter just does whatever Quirrell says the whole time, which is insane. Like, Harry sees Quirrell there and immediately knows that's the bad guy. And then Quirrell gives him standard-like commands, like, come here, shit like that, and Harry just does it. And then Like, Harry. No, no danger sense goes off in his head. And what's Which he gonna is crazy. do? It's kind of like in that situation of like, like I just do, don't if, go over there. Well, if I do what he say, he might not like kill Maybe he my won't ass. Kill me. Maybe I. I mean, I can't speak to the way it was written because I didn't. Write I mean, it you're or an, read the book, but you're an eleven year old 
wizard doesn't know a lot. I think like Harry's main game plan here is to stop Quirrell from getting the stone. Like I don't think he cares if he dies at this point. It's just to stop Quirrell from, which is a freaking hero complex that Harry needs to work through for the entire series of like, he literally doesn't care if he dies or not, just as long as the shit gets done. So I think like probably in his head, he's like, Quirrell obviously doesn't have the stone. He just said, I don't know how to get the fucking stone out of this mirror. So Harry's like, yeah, well, guess I'll stall this out for as long as I can. Maybe someone will come realize we're gone and So Harry goes and looks in the mirror and the mirror version of Harry sticks his hand in his pocket, pulls out the Philosopher's Stone, and then puts it back in his pocket. Which makes it magically appear in real Harry's pocket. Which doesn't make any goddamn sense until Dumbledore explains it later. But that also just doesn't make any goddamn uh, sense. No, they really yada yada that away as Dumbledore's... They yada yada the fuck out of the way the Philosopher's Stone. In the pinnacle moment of the movie, they just straight yada yada it. Like, Dumbledore's literally like... I made it so that only the person who want or who wanted to find the stone but didn't want to use it would be able to get the stone. One of my better ideas, and that's all. Which is this fucking dumb idea, terrible idea. You get a, any any person goes in there, can't get it, and thinks to themselves, "Well, Dumbledore put it here. Maybe we'll just get a Patsy to come get it for me." Easy, you get the stone. I mean, but they don't know that's how it works. Well, sure, they don't know, but if you go in there the first time and you don't see it and you go, all right, well, i got to come back and i got to bring someone else. That's kind of what Quirrell does. He's like, you, stand here. You look in mirror. You tell me how to get it. Quirrell figures it out, and Quirrell's an idiot. So Harry has the the fucking stone in his pocket, and uh, Voldemort's like, he's got it in his pocket. Somehow he knows this. And so... That's explained later. Then uh, Harry tries to run. Quirrell lights a big-ass fire in a big circle around them with magic. And then Voldemort's like, kill him! And Quirrell flies across the room and starts strangling Harry as he drops the stone. Uh, Mind you, Quirrell is a wizard. He doesn't use magic to try to kill Harry. He goes and just for the fucking tries to strangle the herald. Strangulation, the most notable killer of children. I mean, to be fair... Magic didn't kill Harry the first time, so maybe they're just like, you know, old school habits. Nothing wrong with strangling a bitch out. <laughs> I guess. So, as he's strangling him, Harry is, like, struggling, and he grabs Quirrell's wrist. And Quirrell's hand, like, practically fucking lights on fire, and he goes, Aah! and he, like, backs up, and his hand turns into stone and then crumbles into ash, and he's like, what magic is this? And then Harry's like... Mother's love. Harry, like, looks at his hands like he's the devil himself. And Quirrell lunges at him again for reasons. Voldemort and him too. Harry goes, ah! And he, like, mashes his hands into Quirrell's face. And that's why my next note says Harry Potter is a monster. Because Harry very easily could have, like, just gone for the throat and killed him quickly. And instead, just, like mushed his hands into the face of Quirrell. Why'd you mush my face? Because you were there. And Quirrell's like, he, it's like an acid burn. And Quirrell goes, Aah! and his face starts burning. And I would have paid so much money for them to use the Indiana Jones look at the Ark of the Covenant melting special effect over do you not remember in Indiana Jones, in the first Indiana Jones, when the guy looks at the fucking uh, Ark of the Covenant, the Nazi guy looks at the Ark of the Covenant, and he just melts? And they, like, took a wax figure that looked like the actor, and they melted it? I apparently need to rewatch Indiana Jones. Oh, my I God. I haven't watched it's Indiana so Jones funny. in a very, very, very long time. Maybe we'll have to do Indiana Jones for the next one. Or, like, The Wicked Witch. Yeah. So, I'm he's nasty. fucking... I would have paid so much money to see that instead of it was like smoke puff off his face and then he turns to stone and just passes out and dies. And then Voldemort turns into a flying specter ghost somehow. That's about the best way to describe it. And is just a face with like wispy smoke behind it and he uses his wispy smoke face form and he goes through Harry's chest and Harry goes and falls over. 
and he fades to black. And he wakes up in the hospital, and Dumbledore is like, just. He just whips his massive dick out and slams it on the table and is like, I'm the fucking best. I like how he just also waltzes in there and he's like, I knew exactly when you were going to wake up. Like. Uh, well timed. <laughs> certainly. Uh, and Dumbledore just spends like the last 10 minutes of the movie having the biggest ego of all time. Is like, I'm a genius. I hid the stone so well. You did great. You found it. But I'm the smartest. I'm the best wizard of all time. I'm the greatest. And uh, then it's the last feast of the year where they do the ceremony over who wins the house cup and Slytherin's up in points and Gryffindor's like in last place because they broke a bajillion rules all the time. And so they read out the listings and they're like, we have some last minute point additions and he gives Ron, Harry, and Hermione enough points to tie them with Slytherin. 50 points each. Uh, and they're like, oh man, we're tied with Slytherin. And then he gives Neville 10 more points for standing up to his friends. And it's like, all right, all right. I, they already saved the world and now you're going to give them egos too, you egotistical maniac. I was telling James, cause I am a Slytherin. Hi, how you doing? Slytherin. Um, if I was in a a Slytherin in that year, I would have been pissed as shit. I worked my ass off all fucking year to get as many points as possible. I did my shit. I was a good student. I We worked our asses off. We did the thing. But these fucking assholes who can do whatever the fuck they want and nobody gives a shit, fucking, yep, give them all the points. Give them the house cup on the last day after you already told us we won. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, if it had been, like, before the feast and... Hagrid had been like, give Ron, Hermione, and Harry 50 points, and Neville 10 points. Like, that's whatever. But you, Mr. Dumbledore, Albus, Percival, Wolfgang, Dumbledore, I know I'm missing a name in there. You, sir, you sat there, and you knew what you were going to do, and you had them decorate the Great Hall in Slytherin colors, and you read out the names, and you said Slytherin won, and then you were like, but recent ve- events must be taken into account. And then pulled the biggest asshole move, and in a Steve Harvey moment of re- being all like, just kidding, this person actually won, you la-la land it, and you just fucking... Ah, like, I, I'm sh- I would be so mad. I would be so mad. That's my tangent. I'm done. I think it's bullshit. I love the series. I love Harry Potter. I think it's bullshit that he did that. And it's mainly the fact that he, like, had to have, like, this big theatrical moment. He had to have his Dumbledore moment of changing all the colors in the middle of the feast and throwing points and being like, look at me, I'm Dumbledore. I can do whatever the fuck I want. When he could have easily done it beforehand. Thank you. So yeah, Gryffindor win the house cup because they have the most points because Dumbledore said so. Literally. And uh, that's the end of the movie. I mean, Harry the train and Hagrid and the book and happy times. Harry has to go back to the Dursleys for the summer, so like we end on a sour note. Uh, and Hagrid tells him to threaten them. <laughs> he straight up does. He's like, they don't know you can't he, do magic outside like, of school. He's like... I don't want to go back to the Dursleys, really. And Hagrid's like, hey, if your cousin gives you shit, man, just threaten him. Tell him you'll give him pig ears to go with the tail that I gave him. And Harry's like, I can't do magic outside of school. Are you nuts? And Hagrid goes, well, yeah, but your cousin doesn't know that. So, like, just fully magic mafia his ass. It's like, knock some shit over, be like, Hey, you want to fucking get us a pair of ears to go with that tail there, huh? Huh? The beginning of that was real rough. Stop fucking talking to me like that. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy, the sequence at the end. And, uh, yeah, that's the end of the movie. Um, I never watched it when it came out because... Witchcraft. Jesus doesn't like wizards. Um, I will say my church did a really cool thing and used Harry Potter to 
teach us about the Bible. Because what James didn't explain, which he did have a problem with when he watched it, is the reason Quirrell died was because Harry's mother's love was so strong when she saved him that Quirrell couldn't be bear to be touched by him. Which doesn't make any goddamn sense. Well, that was a big one. It's okay. The fucking hicks at the farmland over there are probably lighting them off. Well, that, yeah, that, those are close. Shouts out to them during the fucking snowpocalypse when they were chopping wood for everyone who needed wood, but uh, fuck you right now for setting fireworks off. Um. So yeah, it's it was they they used it to be like, oh well, Harry's mom sacrificed her life for him, like Jesus sacrificed his life for us, and that's kind of how they did that. I'm actually quoted in Time Magazine saying that exact thing. Hey, what you you're like you're egoing all over the place right now. I'm back. Can you, can you chill out, Dumbledore? <laughs> Don't call me that. Tuck your massive old man boner back into your pants. So, you couldn't bear to be called a Gryffindor, could you? I, okay, I wanted to be, for the longest time, I wanted to be a Gryffindor, because, well, that was, like, the house to be in. And then I was like, ah, oh, Ravenclaw kind of sounds cool. Then Pottermore came out. J.K. Rowling released Pottermore with the official Pottermore quiz that she created to officially determine what house you were in by, her, like, by the actual standards, and it put me in Slytherin. And I will tell you now, sitting here, that is probably the most accurate thing that has ever happened to me <laughs> in my life, and we're the best. Yeah, they have egos to match Dumbledore. Um, so... Uh, overall, I think I would rate the movie in a couple of categories. Um, I would rate it in cinematography, acting, uh, writing, and score. I haven't really talked about the score at all, but it is iconic. I wanted to uh, ask you to, uh, as far as, because this was in 2001, yeah. what did you think of, like, the CGI and stuff like uh, that? It was fine for, like, early 2000s CGI. I mean, for early 2000s, I think it's pretty good. You watch other early 2000s CGI uh, it's, it's, movies, and it's like, it's oh, God. very comparable with Disney's budget at the time. Um, for Coming from a studio that isn't Disney, that's pretty fucking legendary, honestly. Because uh, it didn't come out of DreamWorks and it didn't come out of Disney. I think this is a Warner Brothers picture, right? Yes. So. And they hold exclusive rights, and they better just. Uh, I mean, it's the only thing keeping it. them in business. Cling so to it for as long as you can, they, Warner Brothers. They own. Uh, they put up an equal quality movie to a Disney film, which I think is very good. Uh, the score, awesome. The Harry very, Potter very movies well have done. great uh, who music. Did the score. It's so. I think John Williams did it, but I need to check. There's several different people that do it. Yeah, but who did the first one? I don't, I'm looking. Who's gonna find it first? All cast and crew, composer. James is John Williams. Him. John Williams. Now John Williams, uh, famous for Star Wars. Are you serious? Yes, he's the guy who did Star Wars. <laughs> I learned a thing. He, he dude, you want to know what else he's done? Soundtrack wise, he's written. I for, see Animaniacs he's up there. He's written for Animaniacs. He's written for The Simpsons. Uh, loads and loads and loads of TV shows. Uh, for it, Chapter Two. Oh, that's Shazam, a killer score too. Ralph breaks the internet. Uh, Good music in Ralph breaks the internet. But I don't. I don't think he was like the composer. He's just credited in there because they use Star Wars music in that. Um, mm. I need to go back to like the beginning of his career because that's where he really like started out. Uh, but he, yeah, man, he did look. I, but you're scrolling so much, like Har he's... Harry Potter, Transformers. Uh, My dog has stopped caring about the fireworks and is Star now snoring. Basically, anytime Star Wars is involved, he did the music. Uh, so this guy that's is so cool. Very clearly a legend. Look um, at you, cross fandoming. Mr. John Williams, my dog is so asleep. He is snoring so loud, and I apologize to anyone listening to this in the future, because you can probably hear. <laughs> it, is, it is so loud. Jesus Christ, Aries. Um. So yeah, he he's done. That's so cool. So much shit. Look at you, Mr. Nerd Man. Uh. I'm glad you can't hear him, Green Gorilla. So, 
John Williams to the score. Uh, Chris wait, Columbus. wait, wait. Just be quiet for a second. I want to see right. if, they, if the mic picks them up. It definitely picks them up, but I don't know if they can hear it. <laughs> All right, carry on. Chris Columbus did uh, the direction. Yes, uh, I like Chris Columbus. Tremendous job from him. I think he handled all the actors and the children actors really, really well. Um, obviously written by... Uh, the two people credited in the writing are J.K. Rowling and Steve Cloves, who I assume did most of the paring down of the story to get it to fit a tel- uh, movie script. One thing... Uh, and J.K. Rowling could go fuck herself. One that James has a lot of issues with J.K. Rowling. A lot of people do now. Um, one thing that I will say that J.K. Rowling did brilliantly, and I wish other authors would do this with oh, their no work. Oh, no shit. What? I just learned a very, very good fact. I will um, share it after you're done. But she, in her contract, said she would be there every day of filming, every day of casting, every day of everything and if she didn't like something it was gone Aries Aries you're so loud dude hey hey wake up bud <laughs> you're snoring so hard um and that was I wish that more people would do that cause then we wouldn't have travesties like Percy Jackson beautiful creatures the first series of unfortunate events like authors out there I know you're really not listening to this podcast that just started that barely has any like ground but if if you make something and you put all this time into it and you're like this is your baby you've worked so hard on it protect it don't just sign it off to someone don't just cash out a check there are people that have invested time and energy into it that aren't just you that love what you've done and love the characters you've created like take better care of them but all this to be said, I think J.K. Rowling made very smart business decision, business decision-making moves when it came to selling the rights of Harry Potter. I think she knew what she was worth and what it was worth, and I think she was very smart, and she will never need to work another day in her life. She does, but she doesn't need to. So the cinematographer yes. for the movie, because the cinematography was great. Shots were all excellent. It was... It, I didn't see a shot as... When I got my degree, I spent the majority of my time in classes looking through the lens of a camera, um, looking at shots, planning shots. I was the camera guy at my school, basically. Um, And I helped a lot of other people learn how to do that correctly. So it comes very naturally to me to look for bad shots in movies or shots that I would try to do differently. Um, And there was maybe just one or two in this movie that I would choose to maybe try to frame differently, Uh, but there weren't really any mistakes. And I looked into it, and uh, John Seale was the cinematographer. He was the director of photography on Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. He was not on any other Harry Potter movies. But he was also the director of photography on Mad Max Fury Road. Which is one of James' favorite movies. Which is a top three movie of mine. Maybe we should rewatch that one. Enormous fan of Mad Max Fury Road. I'm not. Maybe we should rewatch that one. And then you can rant for a million minutes. And ask questions. And I went to go see that movie in theaters. and I, think, I saw it twice in theaters. I think there's some really cool moments. I think there's some cool things. I don't know anything about Mad Max, and I was very confused for a lot of it. I'm still very confused, and I did not like the movie. At all. Other than the guy that plays the guitar on the ship with the fire. Wow. That's pretty cool. All in all, I think I would rate the first Harry Potter movie... Probably like a 7 out of 10. What do you think of the story? Sucks. Wow. I think it's generic. It's a hero's journey. But we already, like, we've seen a million of those. Yeah. Well, that's because it's the standard hero's journey. There's literally, like, a, you learn about it in school. It sucks ass when when you're a film student because there are only about 12 stories that are ever told. Dr. Bell told me that one time too of the, like there's like there's there's 
there's somewhere between 10 and 15 original stories and every movie and TV show and book that you will ever read is a reskin of one of those stories. Which just breaks you when you're in that. And it's tragedy that that is the case. But it also, in this age of mass media consumption, makes a lot of sense. Because when you watch something that you really, really like, and you've decided you want to pursue this sort of thing as a career, then it's going to be your goal to try to replicate that which you really, really like, or to push boundaries in that foray, right? But in doing that, you're going to push the industry farther in that direction. But what you're not going to do is write something new or something original. We haven't had a new original story in decades because we've written them all. The hero story got written thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go thousands. But okay, maybe a thousand years ago. It was like the written word isn't even that like, old. <laughs> we've done this before you can track back to stories and mythology and it's the same structure i think the odyssey is the first yeah like the odyssey the odyssey is an easy that's back in the fucking golden age of the greek empire yeah easy first or maybe not first but oldest example of the hero's journey story you've also got dante's inferno which is a hero dante's inferno these ancient, ancient stories that we've really just been copy-pasting and changing the homework. It's really, like, I mean, like, that's why there's, like, and it's the seven steps to a hero's journey. You study it, they make you, they drill it into you in, like, middle school. It's, like, the call, the threshold, the rising action, climax, falling action. Like, there's, like, all these things that you have to, like, hit. There's seven key steps in a hero's journey, and I think I think it's funny because they they did that again with us in film school. It's like they teach you how to do it, but in that they're actually cutting you down at the knees because now you know how to do everything that everybody else already knows how to do. You uh, but you lock that in as that's the formula. That's how you make it. And yeah, that's how you become a blockbuster director. Because everybody likes the hero's story. Everybody likes that formula. Everyone likes the That's not thing. how you become the best writer of all time. You become the best writer of all time by writing something new. But we probably won't ever do that. So I would I would say at this time, J.K. Rowling wrote something new, but that's not even true because she was part of the Inklings and drew heavy inspiration from C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. And so... While it's not new, I do think that Harry Potter did a lot of things that hadn't been done. I mean, clearly we're still talking about it. 20 odd years later. 20 years later, people are still, like, making Harry Potter-themed TikToks. There's a fucking theme park. There's a Broadway play. It is one of the biggest things that ever happened. And I think that you, you, regardless of whether you like it or not, that needs to be acknowledged and a lot of respect needs to be given to the series for not only making a gajillion dollars off the books but making more gajillions of dollars off of the movies and turning them into other forms of profit that lots of people can make a living in it's made the careers of lots and lots of people and it's made sustainable living for lots and lots of people which is very very good things J.K. Rowling's a piece of shit but lots of good came out of Harry Potter and, that's, and even if I don't like it all that much it's I can tell you it's still very good it's it's good and I do like the first movie it's not my favorite movie um, which one's your favorite movie the third one mm, we'll get there soon yeah this will not be the last time you hear us talk about Harry Potter um, we may not do the next Harry Potter for the next episode of this show we're but not sure. We'll definitely work through it at some point. This is all very new. Um, you guys can also, like, if you're on stream or you follow the social medias, there will be chances to weigh in about things you want us to watch. We might do another um, Twilight one, but that one will probably, just because we've seen it, we'll probably just do all in one, um, like the whole series. 
Um, but yeah, no, this is our first episode. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Um, it's something that we've been excited about and been trying to get off the ground for like a month now, and this is just the first one. We don't know when you'll be hearing these episodes if you're listening to the future, um, but I will always keep the social media updated for when they're happening if you want to watch the live stream, and I will also keep the social media updated for when the episodes are released if you want to listen to them at your own leisure at your own time. So yeah, this has been the first episode of City Wave Cinema. If you're joining us on, on the stream, on, on stream. the podcast, it's episode two. You, yeah. We're going to confuse the fuck out of people doing two episodes per stream, but that's just the way it's going to go. Got to keep up, baby. This is the first movie, I guess I should say. First film. The first film of City Wave Cinema, episode two on the podcast, first stream. If you're joining us on the podcast, thank you so much. Um, we also do video gaming three times out of the week. That's three, not... Three or four. Three or four. That's Well, now it'll be three if we're doing City Wave Cinema on Saturdays. Yeah. Um, but that's not just this so i guess we do it five no you're right it's four because we do streaming five days a week yeah i can't count it's all right it's an established fact if you're new here that america sucks at math um it's all right i have a hard time with words so if you're joining us thank you welcome to the family we do a lot of cool stuff here if you're joining us in stream thanks for hanging out the entire time thanks clout ship for the follow Thanks, Green Gorilla, for participating in chat and being really active in the story. Um, And yeah, we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye, podcast people.